and welcome to episode 293 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Tom Kennett, Alex Jones and Jack Harper. We do have Sean Shute here with us also, but wouldn't be appropriate to have said joined as always, so we'll tag you on to the end. So, two more weeks of us finding other things to discuss before our tribal nature can return and the Premier League season will be upon us. This week, though, we'll be looking back at 2019 and the sackings of Maurizio Sarri, Maurizio Pochettino and Unai Emery, with a small asterisk next to uh, Maurizio Sarri, but we'll get there. What if they weren't sacked? What if each team had stuck by their man and rode it out for better or worse? We'll get into all that and more, but up next is the news of the week. Consider there to be a jingle there. There isn't going to be one, but... Just uh, for the flow of the episode. <laughs> anyway, it's been a while, so not a lot's happened, to be honest. But my favourite headline of the week, uh, someone has been employed to uh, apply sunscreen to the Royal Welsh pigs amid record heat. You do love pigs, you saw that's not you. Would you do I, the job, Luke? If they, were, if they weren't muddy... Like, I'll, 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 I genuinely want to know if there's somewhere local where I can go and just pet one of these nice pigs, like the little ones that you can pick up. <laughs> if you, how, how do you sell that on like a, you know, you're, you're, you're talking, ch- chatting to a girl and she asks you the, uh, so what do you do for a living well, I think question? we could probably stop there, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I, rub, <laughs> I rub cream on pigs. So you're in, you're in for a treat, love, with a little wink. <laughs> you say, yeah, I work, I work with a royal family. Actually, though, if you say, if, if you say, uh, if you, say you can't say what you're doing, but I can't talk about it, they might get even worse suspicions. <laughs> yeah. No, no, it's nothing like that. I rub stuff in the pigs, I promise. Uh, Indiana man claims that running on all fours like a dog daily has made him crazy ripped. So, Alex... That's where I've been go. going wrong. <laughs> uh, TK. I, I, was very close to, I was very close to that at the weekend, trying to run in this heat. Yeah, that's just sadistic. TK and Jack, uh, oh, redheads God. are to get in free at cinemas during this heat wave. Someone made a joke about this today at work, and I have no idea what they're on about. Yeah, this is, this is, I mean, I don't know if it's Cineworld, but there are cinemas that yeah, to give like, you a place of shelter, right. they will give you free tickets. It was honestly, someone said it to me. So, Jack, going to the cinema today, I was like, what? No. I like the idea of the two of you getting to the till and then debating whether you're ginger enough. I was about to say this. <laughs> imagine, if, imagine if there's just like a scale and be like, oh, I'm not sure about that. We've got people far more urgently in need of this. I don't know what films you'd be watching either. If, uh, if they told you you were going in for like, uh, I was going to say Lord of the Rings marathon, TK, but you've done them now. So... I'm not sure where, what other film I could put you in for, but Jack, if I put you in for Never Back Down three times to get out of the heat. <laughs> I genuinely think I'd go out in the sun, lie there with no sun cream on. So. <laughs> I'd pay to go Jack- and see Never Back Down three times in a row. Maybe that's why I have wow. sympathy for Amber Heard. Blimey. Just when I thought you couldn't get any worse. Yeah. But, I mean, Jack's just chosen skin cancer over a film. And you still seem you still seem to have steeped lower. You, are, you give me that same deal, Master and Commander. <laughs> Maybe in the job. Uh, bus driver accused of drinking on field trip is arrested after liquor store visit. So I feel you're giving yourself away there. Yeah. He could have just said he was buying it for the kids. <laughs> uh Tory MP says cowards are taking precautions in the heat wave and they are snowflakes that are everything wrong with Britain. <laughs> oh, Christ. I, saw, I saw this debate and I was like, oh, he was doing the Zoom from Spain as well, this guy. For fuck's sake. Oh, yeah, they don't, they don't cower over in heat over here. And he's like, yeah, because every house is painted white to reflect the sun. Also, as well, also they have a thing. Also, they have a thing called a siesta in the afternoon when the heat's at its most highest, and then they come back out in. They come back out at night time. That's what they do. This is on par with Jeremy Clarkson tweeting that no one in France is 
had a weather warning when the south of France is on fire and 14,000 people have evacuated. <laughs> <laughs> there is listening 20th and Jeremy Clarkson says, bloke punched Piers Morgan and didn't even go up in my estimations. <laughs> we, do, we do need to bring siestas in here, though. Oh, that'd be lovely. In that heat, though, would you be able to get to sleep when it's that hot? I think we just need every house to have aircon. Better chance of having sleep than working, probably. Yeah. It's That's what the sombrero's for. That's what a sombrero's for. You just tuck in under your sombrero. It's the thing with air conditioning. You, you kind of think, well, I'd definitely pay for the money the money for it now. Then you only use it like one day a year. Not me. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> yeah. I'll go through two fans a year. <laughs> yeah, I sleep with a fan on in winter. It's the nicest it's the nicest thing. That is that is mental. If if Byron did like an MTV Cribs, if he got rich, <laughs> like you just have a walk-in fridge as his house. <laughs> my my favourite thing when I used to work in a, a small supermarket was on a hot summer's day just going and standing in the walk-in freezer. That would be incredible. Don't you find, though, after you've done that, that the heat hits worse when you come back out of it? What, <laughs> yeah, but I just if, it depends on who I was working with. I'd probably spend longer in there than I should be spending in there. So Did you take... Did, did you did, be honest now? When you were in that freezer on those worst on those worst hot days, did you keep your clothes on? Yeah, because it's too scared to shut the door because you can't open it from the inside. So <laughs> I don't want to be shut in a freezer. No, that's also, the way to go. Get naked at work. That would have so. been very easy to get stuck in there. Byron's going to ask the server customer who comes back out. He's got icicles on his nose. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of avenues to go in down the snow. There, but we'll uh, we'll be above it. Um, actually, my talk, talking, this week. I, I, I did have a question that kind of went on from that. Go on. Out of all the people on the podcast today, who has actually got any clothes on here? To be <laughs> honest. I mean, I'm, sat on a, I'm sat on a leather chair. I've got no fans, so I'm bareback in it. Because this is one of those pods where we probably are thankful <laughs> that <laughs> there is no live video of the podcast. Because <laughs> I think a lot of us would be <laughs> naked. Sorry, did you say you're on a leather chair? Yeah, I've got my little setup, so I don't have another chair to sit on. Oh, leather though. Oh, sorry, Sean. Comes on, comes on one pod a year and is being judgmental. <laughs> little setup here. Can't just be lounging on beds anymore. I'm trying to be professional. Oh God. Uh, former Secret Service agent says that Donald Trump is restricted by his girth. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we've all been there, Doc. <laughs> we have. The actual story is he was d- denying that he'd be able to get it, climb into the front seat from the back seat, but the headline was too good to turn down. Uh, it was odd woman... to deny that. I don't think many people can do that. Let alone that <laughs> woman, let God take the wheel as test of faith in high-speed Ohio crash, police say. I'm going to assume it worked. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Police are there. Um, man lights firework on his head and it explodes into his skull Texas police say <laughs> I don't know if it was any relation down, to my favourite any any relation to the guy who had a flare up his bum back in the World <laughs> Cup distant relatives and <laughs> finally Chilean man who was accidentally paid 330 times his salary resigns and then vanishes Give man. Not sure I've got the stones for that. Although, one job I was at did pay me my monthly wage twice once and I got away with it. So, in fairness, if you flip this on its head, that's basically Alexis Sanchez that headlines about. <laughs> well, we don't talk about him because I don't want to put, pay the me, fuck put my memory of him in a bad way. But anyway. Let's move on to the football. So, looking back now, it appears Maurizio Sarri and Chelsea Football Club were just never meant for each other. In the way that Jose Mourinho felt right at Chelsea, the Italians simply did not. He was unable to deliver the quality of football that the fans were hoping for after two years of Conte, and we were having a weekly discussion as to when Sarri ball was going to click. There are a host of reasons that led to the two sides parting ways, not limited to, but including the following. Now, Jack, I'm sure some of these will be familiar. Chelsea basically weren't the club he thought they were. At this point, Roma had become more distant. 
And at this stage, players who have basically long since understood that the manager is the most disposable of them all, uh, it's harder to rally the troops in a way that you've been able to previously when the players know they can ultimately just outlast you. Conte threw himself into the crowd when his team scored. Ancelotti was a charmer, basically, and Mourinho delivered unprecedented success on the pitch while ensuring you could not forget who was the most important in doing so. Sarri ultimately had zero interest in self-promotion, offered no charm, no charisma, and offered to do his work on the pitch. Jack, I think he said something in his first press conference about how attacking he was going to be, and that just never quite unfolded. No, it didn't. It started off pretty brightly as well. It was one... I remember we played um, Liverpool at Stamford Bridge and the goal that Hazard scored to open the score, I think they were drawing the game. It was actually quite scintillating. And like you could see Sarri ball in its essence and we thought, here we go. But then as soon as teams figured out how to play against it, it just, it just stopped. And it was the most dreary boring football I've ever watched in my entire <laughs> life. Yeah, and, th- and then there was the smoking. Um, they say that he would suck on cigarette butts during games and a whiff of nicotine would trail behind him as he trotted around the training ground or the corridors of Stamford Bridge. He hated the media, all his commercial and ambassadorial duties and just dodged them and would just constantly wheel out Zola to do them instead of him. Mm. It's meant- Not a bad tactic. Well, Chelsea were actually reprimanded by the Premier League for missing media deadlines when he locked his players in the dressing room uh, after a defeat. I think the Bournemouth one, they say, kept them in there for over an hour. Um, Sorry, wouldn't applaud the travelling fans after an away game because it's one of his superstitions was not to step on the pitch. <laughs> Ultimately, I, the, the biggest criticism was just how closely he was wedded to Jorginho. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the way that perfectly sums up Sarah's reign at Chelsea. I was at the semi-final second leg against Frankfurt and it was the most boring game ever. I think but when it goes to extra time, all the bars shut and you can't leave anywhere. So they people barricade themselves in the toilet so they can have a fag. And there were just people in there smoking saying, I beg, I really do beg that I just get chucked out. I just don't want to watch the rest of it while smoking a fag in the toilet. It was genuinely that dire. The issue is one of the people was sorry. Yeah. <laughs> He's in the point of get me out of here. You, you would have thought that would have been an endearing factor from some of these fans, but no. It's just... They should have let him smoke on the side. I think that would have helped his cause. Yep. Yeah. Well, it's not like it's the cigar, smoking manager that Chelsea have had. Just they say he was the most smoking manager Chelsea had had. I have flicked my fan on. Is that making a big difference or not? Am I surviving? No, you're good. I didn't know. I think as well as the best way I've heard Sari summed up as well is that whenever he'd wear the club kind of training kit, even if it was brand new, he made it look like the ten-year-old shirt your dad <laughs> puts on around the house. Like he just looked like such a tramp. It was, it was <laughs> he'd, he'd be able to put on brand new mega store fresh merch and and look like he used it to like paint a bedroom. He just honestly is. Just the worst bloke ever. Worst. Tuchel's obviously a star icon by comparison. <laughs> well, you, you think like all these Italian managers we had of just Klaus and Ancelotti and Conte, and then you get him turned up. I'm not sure was, Conte like, looks, like, looks that dashing. Don't put him in Carlo. Come on, bracket. he's swell. No, he was at Chelsea. He was three-piece suit man all the time. But with Sarri in comparison, you'd put like an inside-out farm foods bag in his left-hand side on the touchline. He would not have looked out of place. I'm not sure, because Frank looked like a right scruff. The job wore on him, didn't it? I mean, it has now, definitely. It, yeah. <laughs> it, definitely, it definitely got worse. A spell at Everton will do that to you, fairness to him. There was a it's point... Weird, I... like, he would wear suits at Derby, Frank, and then he came to us and wore nothing but tracksuits. It's almost like yeah. he wanted to just kill that part of his past. And what I... would... I paid six quid to watch a pre-season friendly on Saturday night due to the UFC finishing early. And there's a point where Frank's walking out onto the pitch with the camera behind him. And he almost turned around and stopped. Like, I know the angle you're getting here. And I don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) Just stop it. Why? You must have been in a dark place to spend six pounds on a pre-season friendly. 
that Gabby Jesus hype. Well, basically, with my membership points, I'm supposed to get it free, and apparently I left it too long. So, And then Troy was watching it as well, so I just wanted to watch along with him. And then two seconds in, I saw a stream on Twitter, which didn't hurt my feelings at all. <laughs> I, I have yeah, it's not as bad as it's not as bad as Harper's antics during lockdown, is it? I, I, oh, no, I, I, I was dread to think what you were referring to, and then I realised. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was I was on an out Saturday night, and then it was like I think it was two thirty, and I was sat on Rene benches, and my phone just popped up like lineups announced. I was like, "Oh fuck me, I'm, I'm actually awake." So I actually got a taxi home. To sit pissed up on my sofa at 3am and watch us play Club America on Saturday night. One of the, I'm sure one of the pay-per-view games that Jack paid for was like a Sheffield game. Yeah, like Sheffield was, Villa or something mental yeah. like that. No, no, it was Burnley away. Charlie, I remember it. Christ. Burnley away. It was 0-0, yes. wasn't it? No, it won 4-0, so I think it, it was justified in the end. You paid for multiple, because I remember you using the excuse that your dad was ill, so he was paying. No, so my dad has... I'm sure there was a Sheffield game in that. Yeah, I'm sure there was as well. Because I'm sure he he said it was going to be a hard game. Hang on a minute. No, so what happened was my dad paid for it. But because I have Sky Girl, and I use it because my dad has Sky and I just use it on my Xbox, I then had to pay for it on my Virgin Media, so I had to pay for it twice. (laughs) (laughs) We had it for one of the games at the end of the season, uh... I think it was the United game actually where Troy messaged me in the morning and he was like I'm up the kids are out I've just bought a now TV pass for Arsenal United looking forward to this one well I got a text now later going fuck me it's on BT (laughs) (laughs) anyway uh, one of the tales I saw describing the monotony of uh, Sari's superstitions were (laughs) that he would only play a maximum of 8v8 in training and this was genuinely something he was wedded to and so the same 16 players would play every time and players like Victor Moses who was a spare would just be told to run up and down the side of the pitch with a fitness coach Jesus Christ I mean it doesn't shock me no you had um, the Kepa incident in the Carabao Cup final (laughs) apparently the one that pissed uh, Marina off the worst was that he badgered her and badgered her and badgered her for the expensive and failed loan of Higuain in January, who just turned up and was a pig for six months. <laughs> God, he was awful. That... I mean, with with Chelsea's history of that in that role, I don't know why anyone <laughs> thought, you know what, Higuain at this yeah. point is going to be the resolution. And then uh, Chelsea's transfer ban ultimately was confirmed, and when so when the chance came to separate from the Italian and bank seven million, it was decided it was best for both to move on. There was the thought that if the transfer ban hadn't happened, that Chelsea were going to sack him anyway. Roman was considering keeping him for an extra year, but I think Sari felt, according to him, that the writing was on the wall, so it the was best ha- to get out. The fans hated him. Like, fuck Weirdly, Sar- you fuck- do seem to have that with a lot of your managers. Yeah. <laughs> fuck Sari Ball was being chanted at every game. I think I remember beating Cardiff with an offside Aspilicueta goal in like the 91st minute and being 1-0 down for all of it. Playing the most dire football. And all you could hear every game was just fuck Sarri ball. Fuck Sarri ball. You weren't doing this in uh, Baku, unfortunately. I mean, I don't get you wrong. Know, Petr Cech was chanting. That's, that's why it's such a horrible game. <laughs> like, we won the Europa League with two of my most disliked managers of all time. So I'll take the trophy. Thanks very much. You, you did that twice. That's Disrespectful. Very disrespectful. Um, so the question here, Jack, is is whether Sari, if he had stayed an extra year, could have turned things around? No. Um, and how that could have happened? I mean, just saying no doesn't really work no, for the purpose no. of this. That's it. <laughs> yeah, the, the only way that he could have turned it around, I mean, there isn't. The, the problem is, is that he was found out. We were playing good football pre-Christmas. And then he was one of those managers that does not have a plan B and is regimented to the fact where it's like, well, you just got to get better at us playing the way that we're playing, that they are defending it. It just Roman, if Roman had come out and said, but the club's in a difficult time, we can't be spending money, we're going to be sticking with this guy and try and keep some stability, would that not have gone some way for Chelsea fans to just at least know, right, he's not going Let's get on board. 
I think his decline perfectly coincided with Frank's like rise to the playoffs with Derby. But this That's... was another thing because I was I had down initially. What if Lampard was just rubbish? But he didn't really do anything to earn the job anyway. It was definitely a, a kind of get the fans on the side appointment. I think because when you think of where we were as a club with the, with the transfer ban, who else really would have come in with us having a transfer ban? And then just because we couldn't sign any players, you bring back like the most all-time love Chelsea player as the manager. And to be fair, it was a feel-good time, but you wouldn't have got that in Bissari. That that was it would have just been toxic on the pitch because I can't imagine the players being too pleased with eight v eight and then running the line basically as training. And then with that, coupled your fans just absolutely hurling abuse at the manager every day. Not conducive to a good to a good aura around the club. Is a lot of this on Jorginho? If Jorginho had pulled his finger out, started delivering, the fact that Sari's football was so closely aligned with Jorginho playing well, could that have turned things around? No, because Jorginho isn't a turn-the-game-around kind of player. He'll fit a system. and I do rate what he can bring to a midfield, especially that link between the defence to a midfield. Completely understand it. Um, you see it in a lot of games where you bring Jorginho on to kind of keep possession of the ball and see the game out. But he's not a player that's going to take on a few or put a stick a challenge in on someone. He will fit, he's put, perfectly encapsulates what Sarri is completely about, which is system, system, system. And if that system doesn't work, then you are fucked. There is no, there's no. Sounds like Tuchel to me. Tuchel ban. Uh, it took a win stuff though. I mean, the Europa League versus. Wow. Was there any reality in which Lampard says, "Look, I'm not ready"? I hoped he would have at the time because what I didn't want. To I don't remember this, TK. Do you? Seems to have changed internally, especially under Roman. You know, there is only one thing that happens with a manager, and I internally thought, "Is this? This isn't. It's going to end in tears because." Really, you, unless you're Mourinho, you get one shot at being Chelsea manager. And if it, I could have sworn, I, I could have sworn that you said, "No, this is going to be a new era for Chelsea." Of course, it's that's what they say. On, style, on... A different style, a different style of the way that we do things. Bring through the youth. So, Jody <laughs> Morris, <laughs> do not forget Jody Morris. <laughs> <laughs> He's got Reese Flames tattooed on his back. Crystal Palace <laughs> came in for. Uh, Reese James for 25 mil and it was Frank Lampard and Jody Morris that persuaded him to stay. So You saw a tweet about this this morning, didn't you? Lads, lads, he, to be fair, he is their most important player. <laughs> no, that's Chilwell. He is. Sorry, yeah. my mistake. Other, other guy. <laughs> other, other they both, they both. <laughs> and to be fair, I was right, was I not? You Did... asked me which was the most important signing. I said Chilwell. <laughs> the, the season fell to shit when he got injured, so... No. <laughs> to, be, to be fair to Jack, I think most of us were on the train of a certain wing back in our teams are the most important players in our squads. No, I thought who whoever thought this. <laughs> but Jack, did you see this because of a tweet today saying that Tuchel would have sold him? Um, I didn't because see I that. saw the same thing on my I timeline. Did, I didn't see the quote tweet. I just saw the direct tweet from the outlet. Okay. They want to come out. But but it but it is true though. I mean I am a bit annoyed at how all these young talents are coming through and are just getting sold off when we've now we've just gone and spent a hundred million on a new defence when we could have kept a few of them. I would have happily lined up with a defensive Tamori, Gray and Colwell next season. Fuck me. You know you wouldn't. What do you mean I'm going to have to pull up with Kula Barley? For fuck's sake. Sean's already texted no, me I'm, calling no, him Kula Bumley. <laughs> no, I'm happy that we've signed them, don't get me wrong. I think they're great defenders, but for the money that we spent on them and how old they are, you, you would probably ate better off just sticking with what you had, I would have said. I don't run a multi-million dollar football club, so... What do you say, Sean? No, they both confirmed. They both locked Kula Koulibaly is Colwell will leave if they sign another and they're going for both Koundé and uh, Kimpembe. Right. Oh boy. Oh boy. <clears throat> anyway. Nice meal, good food. I, oh, think you, I think you mean a multi-billion dollar soccer franchise as well, Jack, by the way. Uh, 
hey, whatever keeps the money rolling in. <laughs> Looks like we've actually got the only American owner who's willing to spend a bit of money, which I'm actually, at the moment, <laughs> quite pleased about. You mean, certain, certain American owners have, have just spent 100 mil on Andy Carroll. 85 mil. 100 million euros. And so that sounds better, so we go with the 100. <laughs> Andy Carroll. Central C. Um, let's nice move on. It'll be nice for Liverpool signing not to bang for once. Like, just to you must be forgetting Navi Keita. Yeah, I mean, he's still... And the Ox. I mean, don't forget, I compare flops wow. to Bakayoko and Drinkwater. So, on the flop scale, I don't, I don't think there's anywhere near that. No. This, this one looks <laughs> like he could, he could have a go. Where, where does Bakayoko stand on the flop scale? Well, I saw... I saw that <laughs> I saw they got arrested today. <laughs> Grow up. Grow up, lads. <laughs> yeah, I did see that. Mistaken identity, apparently. That feels a very American way of uh, pulling someone over. It does, but I also feel like it, it must have been a Chelsea fan just getting them back for what for the win. Yeah, they tried to sell it for 20 million and it was rejected previously at Chelsea. Jesus Christ. Let's. While we've got uh, two Spurs fans here, let's talk about Mauricio Pochettino. So, five years on from his appointment in succession to Tim Sherwood, Pochettino had overseen the most successful period in the club's modern history. Four straight seasons in the Champions League, a second-place Premier League finish, and the creation of a team, a system, and a way of playing that had been thrilling at times for both Spurs fans and neutral viewers. But late on the 19th of November 2019... The Argentine was sacked by Daniel Levy and replaced by Jose Mourinho. Again, it is worth looking back at how we reached this point. And I took a look at the headlines from the morning after. The Athletics read, Tottenham appoint Mourinho after Pochettino sulked his way to the sack. Feel about right, Alex and Sean? Probably. Um, Yeah. I don't remember either of you being too gutted. No, no, at that point. Sorry, you got Alex. Alex was being very disrespectful. Uh, I, it wasn't. It wasn't that I didn't like Pochettino. It was more of a. It was more of a. I kind of accepted that it was a lost battle for him, and he wasn't going to get that changing room firing in the way that he had in previous seasons. It was kind of like the relationship had run its course. You were charmed um, by Jose. So, uh, yeah, I was. I was. You know the. I, I think it's only in the last few years that the the Jose Jose Mourinho name I believe be probably me. his it was his last. <laughs> you were twerking for Jokey, don't you? <laughs> so, so twerking for I Jose. Fake Spurs into yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. And um, but yeah, no, it's it it's it's tricky because recent history with Pochettino, it kind of it doesn't do him any favors. Um, at all because he hasn't really gone on to do anything apart. I know you know he's gone to PSG, but this is such a myth. You know, it's, yeah, he's, any, he's anything can trophies. go. To, it, he has, but it, it's kind of like PSG. This. PSG always you, feels it, like a bit of a a bit of like a going on to FIFA manager mode, FIFA manager mode, and entering the cheat code which gives you an unlimited budget for a transfer window. It's feels a bit like that kind of appointment where you're not, you know, if you've got no other standard than to just win everything and try and win the Champions League, which he failed to do. The only reason he didn't win the league in the first season was because that bum Tuchel, what position they left him in. <laughs> yep. <There you> go. <laughs> let's, let's look at the rest of it, though. So the victories, of course, did dry up. The tough training yeah. sessions are said to have caught up with the players' minds and legs, and the manager became distant. Um, from what you read... There seems to have been this myth around Poch that he was kind of like one of the lads and because of the cohesion that it looked like Spurs had on the pitch, that he was this jolly, bubbly character behind the scenes when, from what you read, he was very much distant in keeping and ensuring that he didn't feel like that. He was the manager, he was respected, but you can only maintain a certain level of distance once that gets further and further. That's when the issues start to come. The team were in 14th place without a win in five. No away victory in the league since January. And from their last 24 league games, a run dating back to late February, they'd taken just 25 points. Well, mm. I think even 
Because if you remember, obviously, as you said there with the stats there, it started the season before. They obviously went on the run. I mean, they did end up finishing fourth. I've got the details for you as to where it kicked off. So, and um, I... But I remember in the press conference, I was gonna say, I remember in the press conferences, like in the lead up to the Champions League final, he was talking about leaving then, like regardless of the result, whether he won or lost. Yeah, you are jumping ahead of my bullet points. Um, Go on then. It was no secret the Argentine wanted to quit if he won the Champions League final in Madrid in June. Seamless. Um, but they do say, yeah, as, as you've referenced, the relationships, one between Poch and Levy and Poch and his players, had been deteriorating. He'd gone on the record, I think, saying that he wanted to have a serious clear out of the players to make sure that he kind of could compete in the same way. His style of football very much demands having a young, hungry, ambitious squad. And after the first few seasons, that did kind of dwindle. Um, you had the no signing summer of 2018, which I know Sean enjoys referencing. Yeah, won the uh, win. <laughs> and that contributed to some of the staleness that then carried into 2019. Coming into the season that he was sacked, he was given Lo Celso, Sessegnon, Undombele, and nearly Dybala, which Levy did apparently like to stress to him. We nearly got Dybala, um, but he still wasn't happy. You had Alderweireld, Vertonghen, and Eriksson that weren't happy because their contract situations, they felt disrespected by the way Levy was handling them. Carl Walker still hadn't been replaced. Danny Rose, Eric Dyer, and Deli Ali's form had dwindled, and Moussa Dembele, his number one guy, had never been replaced. So it's quite easy to see how we got to that point. Sean, is there any way in which you think this could have been turned around? Well, I think potentially. I mean, because when we've got hindsight now, when you look back, it was a rough couple of years after we, you know, when we got Mourinho and then Nuno in, it was still rough anyway. So, would it have been, would we have finished lower than we did under Mourinho in that first year? Probably. I still think we'd have ended up like, I don't know, 10th or 9th, something like that. And then you'd like to think eventually Levy realizes, as he seems to have back Conte now you need to spend the money, you need to refresh the squad. So he could have got it back. Yeah, I do think it's, but then again, would that really happen? You've just got to really stick it out for like a year, two years of rough, which obviously doesn't happen in football these days. So I, um, I think, I think we would have lost Kane. I think if Pochettino stayed, we would have lost Kane in one of those seasons afterwards. Well, that's banking on it. He may have turned it around. He may have got Kane firing again. He's the man that made I just, Harry Kane. No, I, I just, I, I just think that, one of the benefits of bringing in Mourinho and then I suppose Conte as well, uh, eventually you've got that sort of that little bit of a look, you can say to Kane on the, on the, on the negotiation table, look, we're going to do it. We're bringing in somebody who cannot possibly not win us a trophy and just, this get, is the banker. You know, just that, yeah, it's the, it's the banker basically. So I just, I think if Pochettino stays, I think Kane really looks at the situation at Spurs and goes, this is stale, we're done here. And he just, he, he goes to City or... You well, still yeah, have the yeah, he goes to City. You still have the situation that played out, because Kane's already signed his six-year deal at this point. Yeah. So you still have Spurs saying, well, look, you're going to have to pay X amount of money. Mm. And City, and City <laughs> going, I'm not sure we're going to do that, which is the, the true tale of what happened. There wasn't a... Oh, actually, I've had an epiphany. I'm going to stay at the club. <laughs> it was these lot have said we ain't coughing up that cash, and so it looks like I'm sitting tight. Well, you know when um, he might he may just he was sorry. No, go on. Go he, on. Just, he may have just said what happened that summer may have happened the summer before. It might have moved it on one more year, but ultimately, he still probably stays. When Inter signed Lukaku for the first time, they did that thing where they realised there was something in his diet that. He was allergic to. I'm nervous here. If Undombele had just been put on a fitness plan the second oh, okay. he got through the doors, maybe that could have turned things around because he says, Look, I never got to I never got my Dembele replacement. I don't know if there's a coincidence that they went from Dembele and tried to replace him with Undombele. But if he's firing right from the get go, that's a very different Spurs team. Ultimately, you just kind of lost the midfield and even with Harry Kane and Son up top, you do have to have some way of getting it there. 
but you had slow guys at the back, no midfield, and those two. Yeah, that, that's. I do think the biggest issue probably is that transfer. You got the mixture of not buying anyone in eighteen, and then when you did buy people in nineteen, none of them worked. So you had a sulking, you had a sulking Ericsson, aging yeah. Toby, <laughs> and then yeah, Indombele, which is awful. Lasalso also didn't do anything. Because the basis of these, we have to think that if the manager isn't being sacked in these what-if scenarios, it's because there's been a decision by all parties. So in this situation, Levy and Poch have decided between them that we're going to have to make this work. And so maybe that does get some enthusiasm back in uh, Poch's training. Maybe he's able to get Kane and Ali firing again. Maybe expectations are lowered if he does come out, put it on Levy's toes and say, look, until we have a big turnaround here, this is how it's going to be. And he stays and you do a whole rebuilding job. They had to, if he was going to stay, they really had to ride out what was going to be that post-Champions League final failure slump, which was going to take a long period of time. Like, I think best case scenario, if he stayed for the entire season, um, I think you were looking at nothing really coming to fruition until the final third, where you may have got a few performances which ignited a little bit of ambition, promises of new signings and freshening up the changing room. You just don't know. But I think that season, if you keep him, would have been an apps. I don't think we would would have ended up with any European football um, at all. There is the theory that Poch doesn't get sacked if Amazon aren't filming. And that he was sacked mm. because Mourinho would have been better for the documentary. And I mean, he it does really put spurs it, on the map. Mourinho dark, it, really. It, it's a real, it's a real shame that we didn't get to see it. Well, it's a real shame that the the documentary series turned out to be what it was, which was quite disappointing. I really would have liked More to have seen all. The, yeah, I'd rather. I really would have liked to have seen all of the footage that they've got. What from we now the know very is that. Start is that the club have the the editorial sign-off. And so it's why you're not going to see anything too outrageous in the Arsenal one. You didn't see anything too outrageous in the City one. They've ultimately signed all of these things off. I mean, there was a whole thing where you had several academy players kicked out for racism during this. That wasn't covered. You had Undombele and Jose breaking COVID restrictions because the bloke is a chunk. And that wasn't included in there. There's a lot that is going to be included. It just so happens for Danny Rose that because those things were missed out, he was as good a material as they had. And so we include that. Did include them getting on Deli Alley as well, which is interesting. But the club do have the sign off is something that we do now know. When you go into that series, there is a very much a Sean Bean vibe to Poch, isn't there? It's like, oh God, this guy's, this guy's getting killed early on. <laughs> He's going. It was fantastic. Um, I, I partly disagree with both their takes though about how much worse it would have been if Poch had stayed. I don't think this was a ship that was irreversible. I think it's been slightly rewritten. I think there was some feeling at the time that maybe this squad has peaked, whatever. But I think by it's just the fact that they got the signings wrong because I think the way they handled it by getting a couple of signings in should have been the fresh faces around the place that were needed. Now, the fact that Ndombele obviously ends up being a disaster. Alice also. Yeah. For another year. But in theory, those should all have been, because this team has just got to a Champions League final. So Leeds is going to be going, well, this isn't a terrible team. These aren't all no. like old players. This is a decent team, but the form has fallen away. But it's not like they're all suddenly over the hills. So I don't think it was a huge rebuild as is being sort of portrayed. I think there is a huge rebuild needed by the time Jose's done his fucking work. But that's kind of what he does. Yeah, and Dombele was spoken about as one of the most coveted midfielders in the world. It's a it's a psychiatric rebuild, is what the team needed at that time. Not as much as a bring new players in, but I suppose that's that's the gist of it. If the players haven't got it in the psychologically to pull themselves back out after that Champions League final loss, shouldn't be on Poch though. Yeah, I'm gonna say that's. No, it is on Poch. It is. Yeah, no, it is on. It's not. Sorry, sorry. I'll read. I'll read. It's not entirely on Poch, but Poch is the manager, and ultimately, what he's going to be the maestro to that orchestra. He needs to get them playing to a certain tune again, or a new tune entirely. You know, ultimately, if he's feeling quite gutted about the Champions League final result, which what he will be, he's also been talking about leaving the club. 
and that hasn't come to fruition. Yeah, but also it's all about, a bit like, about, how is that going to motivate the players? The thing about leaving the club was also a jokingly thing said where he said, if we win it, I'll leave because, well, what else is there? And frankly, if you win the Champions League Spurs, what else is there? But if you'd said on, on those press conferences, in a few months' time, Pochettino will leave Spurs, you'd have said, well, he's obviously walked then. That club isn't sacking him. It would have been out of you'd have been out of your mind if you said they're going to sack Poch. Yeah. And then a few months later, suddenly he's gone. And that's how quickly things kind of escalate. So I think it was... And by the way, the idea that the mood's on the floor, so you're bringing in Jose, that's kind <laughs> of like, that's kind of like, oh, we need to pick me up. Let's go get some heroin. So I'm not sure that's doing the job, actually, Uds. Yeah, if you ask a lot of Spurs fans, you're taking Poch or Deli Alley, you take, you're taking Poch or Danny Rose, you're taking Poch or Christian Eriksen. I feel you're getting the same answer for all three of those. It's, you know, it's entirely on the squad at this point because if, you know, if only you had a precedent of an English club losing a Champions League final and then following up the next year, oh yeah, wait, you did. Liverpool literally went and won that final against you that they had lost the year before and they picked themselves up. So it wasn't necessarily that the manager is going to change this. No, but thankfully, well, I'll say thankfully they do. We got a few interesting years, but now they've ended up with Conte. So hopefully the cycle continues and he can dip before uh, anything too good happens. I was just thinking then about the, the kind of differing sense. Where's, where's Potts just trying to do a Conte? Where he threatens, he's threatening to leave to try and get what he wants. It probably is. Was that what he was trying to do? I think there is a thing of uh, that he didn't have the cachet to demand transfers. I think when you sort of look at the fact that Levy wasn't backing him the way he's backed these guys, I think there probably is something to when he goes into the meeting, Levy's like, I'm, I'm not worried about you. <laughs> you can just <laughs> you well, can carry you on. You say that, you say you say that, but you've got to look at it from the perspective of he's at that point the most successful manager that we've had um in recent times. So that carries certain weight when it comes to demanding transfers. Like Come on, you're like, this him. close, just give me this a bit more. But I think what's gone in Conte's favour is as much of a sort of like a weight that he brings with him in terms of previous success. He also has the benefit of what hasn't worked before, and yeah, in which case absolutely. it was not back in Pochettino. Yeah, but Poch's success probably also played against him in that sense, didn't it? Because Levy's going to go, well, you're doing great with what you've got. Why do I need to give you more? Kind of. You know, if you like do yeah. a good work, if you're doing a good job at work, they're like, well, I don't need to pay you more. You're already doing yeah. a good job. It's like, well, hang on, yeah, I, I probably could do even better actually. Well, let's just uh, just tactically the way that Pochettino played in the Premier League. I do remember a bit of a patch of where a lot of people were saying that like Pochettino does what Klopp does, but Klopp does it better. Like, if, you need to get some inhalers. That's what you needed. <laughs> yeah, we're just yeah. Right up. I think there's something to be said for like he was becoming a little bit one dimensional um, with the way that we played. And that did rely heavily on that, the stamina of the squad. And you are correct because over a sustained period of time, that is going to eat away at the squad. And in a team where you're not relying on a hefty transfer budget that you can rotate a lot, that was always going to come against him in a big way. So there should be, yeah, Yeah. I know, but there should be something said to, there should be something said for failing to adapt to that and still continuing to run the players into the ground to a certain extent. You've got to have a little bit of foresight and know what you've got. He didn't. He tried dropping off slightly when because from about January that year, the team just stopped pressing. And so he did try playing deeper. And the issue was you had a slow back line and mm. dropping deeper was just inviting people onto you rather, rather than what you had previously, which was Spurs got at you and made it uncomfortable. Maybe. Just became too comfortable to play against. Maybe losing that, that strength in the midfield as well. Instead of instead of what we thought when Spurs and Liverpool got close to each other and Liverpool bought Van Dijk and Allison, maybe it wasn't that. It was it was just the asthma, like TK said. If we didn't, <laughs> <laughs> maybe Poch doesn't get sacked and we get over the line and we win that final. But anyway, uh, sports science, baby. Long-time listeners of the podcast would have heard me direct my frustrations at three men more than most Alexandra Lacazette Alexander Jones and Mr. Disgusting Man himself Unai Emery (laughs) the man that replaced Arsene Wenger had a big job on his hands and he only made that worse by angering players irritating fans and not pronouncing the word evening correctly (laughs) but how exactly did it get to that point 
of his exit on the 29th of November 2019. Now, Emery's first press conference, he came out immediately endeared himself to the supporters with talk of being protagonists, pressing. He went to follow him at the back, which was a bit snazzy early on. But his inability to deliver that vision ultimately did prove to be his undoing. Uh, when he takes a look back at all of the contributing factors, man management will be probably the single biggest issue that he faced. He came from PSG where he fell out with Neymar, but he also fell out with lesser players, seems harsh, but Hatton Ben Arfa, he fell out with uh, one of many. Matuidi fell out with Thiago Silva. They all fell out with him, man management. Once someone had gone the opposite side of him, he did struggle to get them back onside. Aaron Ramsey, they say, had a pre-season meeting with him as he was going through his contract negotiations. And Ramsey described going in for a meeting and coming out with less understanding of what was happening at the club than he did when he went in. Um, you had the whole battle with Ozil right from the get-go. There's a press conference where he's asked about changing Ozil's position and he just smiles and says, we'll see. Um he says from the get-go, he wasn't happy with Ertzel's attendance record or application in training. He had data evidence that showed a significant difference in his physical performance in both home and away games, particularly in the key measurement of sprints when the opponent has possession of the ball. Ramsey's contract is going down. Ertzel's out of favour. Emery realises the five at the back isn't working, so tries to switch to four with those two in the middle. We then have this heavy reliance on Aaron Ramsey all while he's pulled his contract offer off the table he signed with Juventus and we're now <laughs> struggling and in the middle of all that you've got a 22 game unbeaten run that's topped by a 4-2 win over Spurs uh, don't ever forget that run don't ever oh. forget it <laughs> the issue with that run was though that the underlying metrics and I think I said on here at the time suggested that Arsenal had been more than fortunate relying on excellent finishing and a, he a heavy portion of good luck. I want to see Mikel having that sort of run. The disgusting man. <laughs> we had it in the FA Cup. Um, so we did have that. At the end of the season where we managed to play Yuan City after you'd both already s sealed your positions and we were able to get wins. Nice. There was a defeat against Palace, which I'll remember till my dying day. <laughs> we need four points to secure Champions League football. We go into a home game against Palace, so we've always had issues with with Carl Jenkinson, Mohamed El Neni, Dinos Mavropanos, and a whole host of others starting. Mustafi, who he insisted on sticking with, is at, is at, at fault for a Zahar goal, and then I think we draw the next three and then get battered in uh, Baku, which we'd rather not speak about. You sure? Yes, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Communication, obviously, though, it, it, is it was a huge issue during his time. He really wanted to push the idea that there was no person more important than the other. And so before that game against Palace, he doesn't give a team talk. The club's travel coordinator gives the team talk. For fuck's sake. Amish Manek and an unnamed player described it as the cringiest thing they had ever seen <laughs> and not something that got them fired up to go out there and win a Premier League game. He signed David Luiz, who later led a coup against him. <laughs> 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 and yeah, his, his second season, he wanted Maguire, Zahar, Tierney and Party, and was told that they were going to do their utmost to secure those players. He got Tierney, Louise, Ceballos and Saliba. Louise obviously was what he was. Worked for Arteta with Emery, who had a deep, deep lying back line. Did not work at all. Saliba went straight back out on loan. Ceballos was Ceballos. And Tierney was injured for six months after signing him. He had the jacket captaincy situation where he took it off him and then gave it back to him. Oh, God. And yes, Baku. This one, I, I mean, 
I thought we were going to do a different podcast at first, and I was trying to think of ways that maybe he could have turned this around. Do any of you see a way that he could have sorted things out here? Yeah, because he's gone on to do bigger and better things with with less resources. What bigger and better things is that? Definitely agree with that. He's got as an argument. He's got the best CV of the three managers. It. Yeah, yeah. He's got Villarreal to a Super Cup final and won the Europa League. Seville once. Well, that was why we got him. But does that mean he could have turned things around at Arsenal? Well, the Villarreal one was after his stint at Arsenal, so yeah. And he knocked, and he knocked, and he knocked, and he knocked Arsenal out. Came back to haunt them. (laughs) (laughs) He did do all these things, but I mean, just listing off things to mug Arsenal. We're not really answering the question of how he could have turned it around. I mean, well, he's gonna. It sounds stupid. He genuinely would have had to have a better grasp of English to do it. I do think that's a huge part of you say about the man management issue. I think you can't really, if you can't really relate to the players, I think it's pretty clear why he's able to have success with Spanish teams and hasn't outside of them. Well, even as his vocabulary increased, it was the accents. And there's nothing he can do about that. And he, <laughs> he pointed out quite rightfully in an interview, I'd like to see how many of the people that criticise me, how their Spanish is. Fair enough. But... I love the idea that Ebling is just eating away at these players so much that I'm not I'm not playing for this guy. He, he says he was able to laugh at that. He says in Spain you pronounce your bees more, and so that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing um, is, if he didn't resemble the butler from Mister Deeds so much, it's, yeah, sneaky, it'd have been sneaky. A lot, easy, a lot easier to take him like seriously. I I think he could he could have found a way to maybe not turn it around, but to get some people back on side. The first thing was really he had to make an example out of Ursul. Yeah, banishing him and then bringing him back was as horrible a message as you could possibly do. And he actually gave him the captaincy after banishing him um, on nine occasions. So that was horrible. He needed to play only one of Lacazette and Aubameyang. The two together just did not work. Several managers took a while to realise that. Uh, Freddie, I think, was the only one who managed three games and said it after one. He needs to force out the executive structure in the way that Arteta did. Get rid of that clown, Ralson Yehi, who I still think did something very crooked. And I don't know what it is. But basically, I said on here my feelings on Arteta about a year and a half ago. And then at the point when he survived that December period, and I was quite aware there is no getting rid of this guy. I wasn't necessarily happy with it, but I had to write it out because I thought there's no point wasting energy on this. This guy isn't going anywhere. Mm. If they came out and said, look, we believe in what Unai's doing and the board actually offered him a contract extension after Baku, which is terrifying to me. Yeah, that's mad. But I feel there's something that could have been done. Yeah, because my, my feeling with the, why I said I thought, Poch could have turned it around to Spurs, but I, I'm not sure. I'm less sure with these, these two with Arsenal and Chelsea. It was, the situation was so toxic with both fan bases where they were like, look, we can't stand this guy. He's got to go. But at least with Arsenal, as you said, we have seen basically Arteta get to the same point. But the club... He had a just, worse run, I think. The club would just clearly, look, this guy is not going anywhere. And maybe he's aided slightly by the fact he played for the club. I think that maybe accounts for... Two percent, probably. And they had Emery before. I think they couldn't acknowledge getting it wrong a second time. Yeah, true, true. Uh, but I mean, in terms of how the fans maybe just give, yeah, Arteta yeah. slightly more leeway because, like you said, he went on a worse run than um, Emery, and yet probably never quite had sort of uh, the knocking at the door the same way that Emery did. That's the thing. So, I but think because Arsenal weren't playing for something, you can turn it around. Like you said, it does give me. Think- Emery probably, I don't think he would have done significantly worse than Arteta in these years. I don't think he would have left it cut. But I think in terms of league positions, whatever, I think you would have been stable if given the chance. And as the club really came out and backed him. But I don't know how much better you would have done. The success that he's had has ultimately been that he rallies everyone on side and everyone does really buy into what he's doing. And you saw that when Villarreal attempted to stage their comeback against Liverpool and had done for yeah. about 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Well, that first half, they had a shit, didn't they? Yeah. Arteta has been allowed that. And he's got rid of the likes of Aubameyang, Ozil, countless others. And so maybe if Emery was able to do that, 
it'll be interesting to see which players he did bring in to get on side, to be honest, because I'm not sure I could take another Lichsteiner. <laughs> oh, God. But he was just undermined from the start. Like in Jan, he was told that he didn't have the money in that summer that I said about, and he'd get it in January. And then in January, he was trying to get Carrasco and Perisic, I think, at the time. And he was told Carrasco was in China and he was too expensive to get out. And he was told that Perisic was too old. Um, and so they get him Denis Suarez on loan. Oh, and when the Denis Suarez loan doesn't work, after they pay five million for half a season, supposedly. When that doesn't work, they basically say, well, you clearly can't be trusted. Why the hell are we giving you any more money? Mm. So I think there was so much chaos at the top that he didn't really stand a chance underneath it. And I guess anyone following Wenger was going to struggle somewhat. I mean, he had Czech trying to play out from the back. I do wonder if it had been any different if you'd had a full guy in between Wenger and Emery. If you'd had someone come in, say, even if you just somehow Arteta had the job, for example, well, and he'd failed think, and they sacked him, and then you give it to Emery, whether he would have been freed up a little bit. The reason know. he was picked was ultimately that he was the opposite of Wenger. He was a guy that, from the guys they interviewed, was willing to work under that structure of just being the coach. Mm. And they told him, look, you're going to have the input of choosing who we sign, but you're not going to have that title. Um, they were trying to move to this structure where they had about four people deciding the players that were being signed, which clearly didn't work. And I think they liked someone who, on paper at least, found different ways to win, which I know Jack and Alex and Sean have all criticised the managers that we've spoken about being sacked here didn't do. So I'm not too sure. I think there were things he could have done. He'd have had to start doing better in Europe, which was why we signed him. Keep looking to the academy. You think he he was the one that got Martinelli, Saka, gave Smith Rowe his debut. Someone else, and I can't think who it was. But he did some work there, but Gwendouzi ultimately didn't work. Maybe Gwendouzi was his guy. He needed to build around Gwendouzi. That feels a dangerous game. <laughs> I mean, it's working at the moment for Marseille but yeah I know proposition. an Arsenal manager who's a bit unsure of himself going you know what I'm giving you the keys let's face it his complacency with that Palace game is a huge huge thing if he'd got you back in the cha- if he got you back in the Champions League I think it's, very it's different a, yeah yeah I think realistically the club probably goes well look he got us to a Europa final, we lost to Chelsea, all right. You got us back in the Champions League, crack on. Instead, he is where he is. Yep, made me walk out of uh, Aaron Ramsey's speech before leaving because I was just so disgusted with the disgusted man. Um, and you miss Wells's? Yeah, I'm pet checks though, so I don't feel too bad about that. <laughs> Cretin. <laughs> anyway, let's close this one out then. Who do we think, if all three are given an extension and I guess for the purpose of this we'll keep all of their situations in the same place but say they will they all have a clean slate and it goes precisely wrong they have their position their situations applied to them on the same day that Emery's sacked who do we think lasts longest of the three go first TK if you want I think a, are you in a playground again, Jack? I've got the I've got the window open in the next door's neighbour's kid yeah. going absolutely <laughs> outside. Well you got in trouble for that before. Yeah, I know. Uh, I'm gonna say Poch. I'm gonna say I, I I genuinely do think he um what you say turn the season around, he finished sixth in the season where he did. I don't think he would have done significantly worse than that. So I think he would have done all right there. Um and I think they would have gone again so I, I would have backed him in a way I wouldn't back the other two go on Jack yeah I'm going to have to say Poch because sorry there was there was no coming back from that <laughs> Emery really rubbed uh, quite a few people up the wrong way I, I think I've heard um, I think Poch I mean they wanted him back recently didn't they before they got Conte and there was rumblings that he, they weren't happy with him at PSG they, they, they were almost going to get him back then it's almost like, have you ever seen that film, um, 
I can't remember what it's called, but it's got Jason Biggs in, and this guy goes and treats girlfriends really badly to make them go back to their ex-partners. Yes, I know the film. Uh, it's got, um, what's his name, uh, Dane Cook in it as well. It, yeah. Tape so, of View, 20 minutes. Yeah. So it's that film. I feel like Mourinho could have that role within football management now, where if they think they want to break up with someone, they send Mourinho in, and they're like, no, let's have Poch back. And that's what could have happened at that point, I really do believe. So yeah. I in think... this scenario, he starts dating Jason Biggs' his missus, though. Yeah. <laughs> 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 that is... I mean, that is true, but the ones before that, it works impeccably well. So if, if they'd gone back to Potch, you think it would have been like Affleck returning to J-Lo? Just got married, by the way. Had they got that one over the line this time? Still think it was disrespectful to leave Anna Diarmas, but there we go. It's options. I think Sari lasts longest. Wow. I, I was thinking one of the other two. I was not thinking him. I mean, even when Chelsea managers do all right, they don't last that long. <laughs> I think. On, I want to hear his explanation. I think the transfer ban in, I think his hand is forced. And, and I think there's probably a sense where they're a bit too shook of what else is out there if someone's going to come in with a transfer ban. I think they sack him immediately as that season finishes. But I think they keep the steady pair of hands for another year. I mean, that is a difficult, difficult one to sell that, especially when Hazard was one of the main reasons we got our goals that season. I think he came in with like 24 goals and assists or something like that. It was just he had one of his really good seasons. And he got us out of trouble. There was a lot of one nils in there where just a bit of brilliance from him sorted us out. But against West Ham where he put on that one of his best ever goals, that would have been nil-nil otherwise. We wouldn't. We would have finished miles below without Hazard because Sarri's... Oh, we're not eliminating Sarri being there. No, I know, but I'm just saying that I don't think he would have done the best because Hazard would have. I don't Sorry, see Sari doing Sorry any worse than Frank. Frank. Frank would have done better with that squad that he had than Sari would have. Wow. Wow. Jesus. Easy. Easy. If like, I had to list the worst managers in the league, Frank's going to be bottom five. He's only been a manager for a few seasons. Oh. Well, let's see if Arteta gets that energy when, um, yeah. when we're in next season. If you scored. Um, if you score Alex Ferguson in the same vein in his first three years. <laughs> look, people keep doing this with every signing we have, and they say, look, Thierry Henry wasn't scoring that many goals when we signed Shamak. <laughs> Doesn't always work like that. In fact, when describing uh, that little person that United have just signed, I don't know the right words to use that, Connor's come out and said, look at the height of the only Ballon d'Or winning centre-back. <laughs> All right, Harry Maguire is the same height as Van Dijk. <laughs> if that's how we're doing things <laughs> Alex who do you think lasts longest uh, I'm probably going to go with uh, Unai Emery nice I like it that club I'm not saying it, it no no no, 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 no. The, the question the question was the question was who lasts the longest not who was the most successful <laughs> I didn't say we were successful, but just like to see you uh, back in the manager. <laughs> I, I uh, trust me, Luke. I back to Unai Emery to the end. <laughs> hey, look, we just sealed the deal for the Ukrainian alarm, an Ornstein exclusive. <laughs> the Ukrainian alarm. <laughs> Ornstein's on fire this summer. Uh, he's not been for us. He's been a piece of shit for us. Everyone he links us to, it falls through. <laughs> He'd be great for the Tottenham, though. Yep. Yeah. Did- Pump fake United into, uh, as I said, signing a bloke that can still sit in the trolley if he goes to Tesco with his mum. But we'll speak about that. That's the the butcher of Amsterdam you're talking about. (laughs) We're going to speak about that in a fortnight. Uh, (laughs) Asked Connor if he's going to be on. He said, should be. And I said, I don't ever get much commitment from you. And he said, I have commitment issues. That's about as much commitment as you got from most of the United boys that just left yeah. out the door and the ones that are still trying to leave. You've got to think that's a long time in United. If you get a couple of chances in, we'll have Connor on. If they don't, he's going, for... oh, sorry, guys, I've got plans. I think I don't know if I said this last week. After they won that Bangkok tournament, he texted me saying one out of five with a tick. 
<laughs> and I, <tried> to... <laughs> I can't laugh because I've always um, blagged on about how much the uh, the uh, Asia Trophy is. They've just been linked to a 29-year-old French right back. And he texted me saying, who the hell is this? And I got a text five minutes later saying, I'm not kidding you. He has better technique than Trent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you love the transfer window, don't must you? Be wild, must be wild for you getting messages like that off people. Must be an odd, an odd sort of, must be an odd experience. What do you mean? Well, you know, just... No, I don't know. Is there potentially <laughs> some, you know, are you putting the mirror up to yourself there? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I've been right about most transfers. Wasn't sold on Mikatarian. Okay, I was sold on Mikatarian after. <laughs> I realised with him pretty quickly. I wasn't sold on William, and look how that ended up. Yeah, yeah, tough one, tough break. But there we go. Uh, we won't give a, we'll give away too much content for our big uh, season preview. Has Sean Tried... quit? Yeah, he tapped out. Um, he texted me something quite nasty about Alex, but. Um, <laughs> it's going to keep that and the it's going to um have asked I did ask Connor other Connor to come on for the season preview but he's away so I have asked Steve to return but we'll see what happens in two weeks movie madness this week we have Memento up against Good Time so tune into that on Friday until then we'll be back goodbye <laughs>